At 4ZZZ, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we broadcast. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging of the Turbul and Jagera people. We acknowledge that their sovereignty over this land was never ceded. And we stand in solidarity with them. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. Amplifying the trans and gender non-conforming voices of Brisbane and beyond. Hello, hello, you're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. Transmission is all about amplifying the voices of the trans and gender non-conforming voices of Mianjin and beyond. So, you know, that's that's what the whole deal is here. Usually what we do on Transmission is I talk about the week in community events and news. So I'm going to get into that in just a minute, but I wanted to mention that I've got a really special guest on the show today who we'll be talking to later on. Marisa! Hello. Want to say some things? You sure. Say, yeah. About myself? <laughs> Hi! <laughs> who I am? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm a graduate social worker and an artist. I recently actually did my placement at 4ZZZ, so that's how we know each other. I spent almost six months here doing really cool things with this organization. And yeah, I'm also a non-binary critter, half plant sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Cryptid. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to talk about some life experience yeah, today we're, we're gonna that talk we have a- in common. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about neurodivergent and being trans and the correlation between the two. We're going to have a discussion about that. But before... Oh my gosh, I didn't even say my pronouns. My name is Ez and I use he, him pronouns. Mm-hmm. I use they, them pronouns. Fantastic. Cool. There we go. Whew. Identity, settling that out. Okay. All right. So first up, the week in community events. So we've got this weekend at the zoo... On Saturday, April 29th, doors at 7pm, is Free Entertainment, which is uh, that epic band from Nam that we were talking about last week on Transmission. They're the newest hyper-rock supergroup uh, who will be supported by Wetlands Queerbait and Horrorboroughs at the, the zoo uh, on Saturday, April 29th. So check that one out. I'm sure tickets will go quickly, so make sure to grab tickets. There's also, if you wanted to, like, you know, have a couple of drinks and mingle with some friends before you go to the zoo and check out Free Entertainment... There's also Q Night at Quiver, which is April edition, which is at Wind Lane on Saturday, 29th of eight. Oh, wait. What is going on with the dates? It is the 29th. Saturday, 29th of April. I've got 26 here. That's incorrect. It is Saturday, 29th of April from 6 p.m. Built for comfort, curiosity, and questions and queers. Join us for Q Night this last Saturday of every month at Quiver, come and learn interesting stuff about your friends and meet new folks along the way with light facilitated mingling hosted by transmask non-binary queer legend Zach. It's never been easier to start the conversation with cute strangers. We've got cocktails, beer, and plenty of non-alcoholic beverages to choose from. Come when you want, wear what you like, and leave when you're done. It's only $5 online for early bird tickets and then $10 at the door. This is an 18-plus event for queers and those who love them. So you should definitely check that one out. Then there's also Sunday the 30th of April from 9pm till 3pm at Black Bear Lodge. Shandy takes a trip into space. We invite you to unmoor yourself from your earthly tether and harness the power of dancing to propel us to strange new worlds as we explore the outer reaches of our collective consciousness. And what better place for that than Shandy's birthplace and spiritual home, Black Bear Lodge. 
in this primordial realm, you'll witness the collision of two great celestial bodies, Gogo Bumhole and Crimson Coco. Prepare to be stunned by the spectacular union as they take to the stage at midnight, flanked by their troop of Gogo dancers, uh, dancing party captains. To keep us on course, our path will be illuminated by decor from Darcy Jones of Nam Studio Mungo and some of the country's best and brightest DJs, including Captain Black Amex, Blair DeMilo, Update Prayer, B2B Tulio, Onyx, Guy Gray, and oh yeah, oh, that's about it. Yeah, don't be surprised to find yourself drawn into the gravitational pull of the dance floor. Shandy, into space this Sunday, 30th of April, 9 p.m. Early bird tickets are $17.50, and general release tickets are $25. So grab them when you can. They usually sell out pretty quick. So Shandy's a bit of a bit of a fun one. So if you want to check that one out, you can. Ah, <sighs> anyway, so that's the week in community events. We're now going to go on to some news. Just a trigger warning for this one. It does cover some of the news around trans folk in the US. So if you yourself are feeling particularly um, vulnerable or that this may may be upsetting to you, please tune out for the next minute or so. Um, so yeah. Florida Republicans pass bill allowing trans kids to be removed from their parents. This is the latest anti-trans bill passed in the state, but it is one among some of the, one of the most dangerous ones. I'm just reading from an article here from the Washington Post. Florida's House of Representatives passed a bill Wednesday that would allow the state to take transgender minors away from their families if they are receiving gender-affirming care. The measure passed by a vote of 82 to 31. A previous version of the bill passed the Senate earlier this month by a vote of 27 to 12. And the amended version now goes back to the other chamber for a final vote. Governor Ron DeSantis has previously expressed support for the bill and will likely sign it into law if it passes. If it becomes law, the bill will allow the state to take custody of a child if they have been subjected to, in quotations, or are threatened with being subjected to gender-affirming care, which includes puberty blockers and hormone replacement therapy. Florida courts could modify custody agreements from a different state if the minor is likely to receive gender-affirming care in that second state. The text refers to gender-affirming care as a sex reassignment, prescriptions or procedures, and qualifies this care as a form of physical harm. This is devastating and appalling, and I am, I am beyond livid, and I am very distressed for our US trans siblings who are struggling very much over there right now. I am going to play a little speech from uh, Representative Pamela Stevenson, who uh, she spoke for about a minute, a bit, well, about 10 minutes after a bill passed in Kentucky, uh, in her state, and this is an anti-trans bill that passed in her state, and this is some of what she had to say. We have created an environment of hate, and then we look at them like there's something wrong with them. First you hated black people, then you hated Jews, now you're hating everybody. So the question is, when it's the only people left are you, will you hate yourself? Power concedes nothing. This house is for the people, by the people, to serve the people, and you won't listen. You go after everybody's kids but your own. You make hate. You have to ask yourself the question, why would they be doing that? Who are we to cause that? None of us. 
have said we would come here and hurt people and yet you make trades in policy so your bills can be heard. You go against the people of this state. This is a horrible, horrible session. This bill is horrible because it has nothing to do with the people. And the last thing I'll say is, God bless you because somebody's going to have to atone. Yes, yes, the gentleman from Fetro. Somebody's going to have to atone for not being who you're supposed to be. That there was Pamela Stevenson from Kentucky. QLife is Australia's first nationally oriented counselling and referral service for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and intersex or LGBTI people. QLife provides peer-supported telephone and web-based services to diverse people of all ages. They help callers with a range of issues relating to sexuality and gender, including coming out, as well as more general issues such as relationship problems. So remember, you can call the QLife line daily from 5.30pm till 10.30pm on 1800 184 527. And for online chat and support, go to qlife.org.au. You're listening to Transmission on 4ZZZ. Special thanks to Ursula from Banyo for subscribing. The light went off in the studio. And also, another special thanks to Ruth from Pillar Valley. I know who you are, Rue. Thank you so much for subscribing to 4ZZZ. Uh, love you so much. You're amazing. Supporting community radio, supporting community generally. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Ez. I use he, him pronouns. And you're listening to Transmission. All about talking about trans things, trans life, trans lifestyles. Well, trans lifestyles, lol. <laughs> the life we live. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, and I'm here with... Hi, I'm Marisa. Um, <laughs> I'm a friend of Ez's. <laughs> keeping it candid today. Yeah, keeping it candid. <laughs> and what Simple were your pronouns? My pronouns are they, them. Excellent. Um, and so Marisa and I are going to be talking about uh, being trans and neurodiverse. So... Um, what is neurodiverse? Let's start with this, because there's a new concept for a lot of people. It is. I feel like it's gained a lot of traction in the last few years, and it wasn't really around before that. No. It's like a, it's, it's, <laughs> in it was, no big way. Most people I know now are like, oh, yes, neurodiverse. Make, makes sense. Like, it's also kind of self-explanatory, but yeah. not, not, not completely. Well, I guess to me it means having a different kind of neurology that's non-normative in some way, and I've seen lots of different definitions around it that include lots of different things. So um, I've seen definitions that include things like OCD and even like some of your so-called personality disorders like BPD, MPD and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Things like um, acquired brain injuries, um, you know, neurological disorders of many kinds. But then for most people, when they talk about being neurodivergent, they're normally referring to being autistic or ADHD. Mm. But no. those are the uh, so, in, sorry, ADHD and autism have like very common and sometimes very hard to notice traits as well. Yeah. So and that and that's why they're perceivably the most common, including with like tics like uh, Tourette's syndrome as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that can also go unnoticed for mm-hmm. quite a while, and because they can be quite subtle, and that's all I guess falls under the 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 giant blanket of neurodiverse or ND. For short, yes. mm-hmm. um, yeah, and my I am I am neurodiverse. I have I have ADHD, uh, so I can heavily relate to a lot of overlapping symptoms with lots of other neurodiverse things as well. It's sort of there is a bit of overlap with this sort of stuff. 
Yes. And as an autistic person, I also relate. <laughs> <laughs> we seem to we gravitate towards each other. We get along, yeah. you know, we all sort of have a similar way of communicating. Autistic and ADHD make beautiful unions in friendships and relationships, <laughs> I've found. It's, it's actually really powerful. And I think before we get further into discussing about being trans and neurodiverse, we should clarify, you know, like, I definitely don't feel that the neurodiversity that I have is anyway makes me... is, is of such a, a detriment to my life, you know, like that it is some kind of, like, condemned diagnosis that I have. I actually love that I'm neurodiverse and I love my friends and I love what the gift of ADHD has given me. Although it has been a challenging journey to navigate, I would like to just mention that being trans and neurodiverse, although we are going to discuss how they're very interlinked, there's no way, uh, you know, uh, necessarily an impairment on my life or quality of life. So Mm. yeah, just would like to preface with that. Yeah, all my favourite people are neurodivergent, so... Yeah, 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 same. Um, yeah. Or they don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is awkward when, when you encounter that. So, yeah, Marissa, with some of, like, being trans and autistics particularly, there seems to be a lot of studies, and particularly one that I'm going to reference throughout the discussion, about how if you are trans, the chances of you being autistic or neurodiverse are significantly higher and I find that really fascinating. And there's so many... I, I don't even know how, how that happens because we're, still, we're mm-hmm. still trying to figure it out, still relatively new in the world of research. I think a lot of people are still trying to figure it out. As a social worker, I'd say I'm more interested in the experiences and how the experiences overlap rather than, like, the origin, trying to work out some mysterious <laughs> origin. As how to, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, because they do overlap and I think that you know, being both trans and autistic, they have these, like, really deep experiential components to them and they can inform each other in all these different ways. Yeah, I, I guess as well, like, um, one of the one of the stats that I was reading was this, um, trans individuals are three to six times more likely to be autistic and with ADHD, more likely to have a second co-occurring neurodivergent, such as ADHD or OCD, bipolar, schizophrenia. Um, mm-hmm. and I don't know, with... With social work, and have you noticed a lot of these patterns yourself, or in yeah. spaces? Yeah, I mean, in? just my life experience being in spaces that are non-normative. Like, and you know, I did a lot of arts and cultural community development, and a lot of artists are neurodivergent. A lot of artists are also queer. There's something really creative about these experiences. That you know, there's something creative about being somewhat marginal to the norm as well. You pick up patterns, you see things from a different perspective, sometimes from the outside, and that all draws you into these spaces um, that, yeah. are, that are really wonderful to be in. And so, yeah, I know so many people who are both, you know, they're, they're queer or trans and neurodivergent, they go together. Yeah, um, I was with this particular study that I was looking at, which is uh, warrior. Uh, so elevated rates of autism, other neurodevelopmental and psychiatric diagnoses, and autistic traits in transgender and gender diverse individuals. The pattern recognition mm. stuff uh, mm-hmm. for gender diverse folk compared to cis men and women as separate categories, it's almost double. Like the pattern recognition ability that trans neurodiverse. Mm folk have um, is that we're able to see patterns more clearly or 
it just they they jump out at me more than anything is sort of what it feels like. But that pattern recognition in art is really fascinating. Yeah. Um, and like most of the trans folk that I know actually have either dabbled with creative visual art or uh, even music and stuff like that, or they they have a deep interest in looking at that sort of thing. And they also treat like programming as art as well and coding and definitely like what they perceive it what neurodiverse people, particularly trans neurodiverse people, perceive as art is so varied. Yeah, there's a lot in it, isn't there? Because you have to be so analytical when you're trying to work out what's going on in this social world. Mm. Um, But I also often think there's a sensory element to it. You know, you're just really interested in how things look and feel. You're interested in aesthetics, so then you'll get interested in art. You know, even just the ADHD, like, branching thought patterns are so good for creative thinking. And I also, like, as an autistic person, I approach my art practice in a very analytical way and all of that ability to analyse everything in the world to an unnecessary degree comes in very useful when you're being a creative. Yes, because if you're (laughs) considering all angles, you're like, oh, it's also, like, kind of a state of paralysis when you're, like, overanalyzing as well. (laughs) Um, Not all artists are having a good time. <laughs> it's making me think of a lot of memes that I see as well of people, of artists being like, oh, what you think an artist is. And it's like, you know, a creative studio and there's like colours on walls and they're all having like a great time. Yeah. But what it actually is, and it's like a dark room and them holding their head and they're like, mm, like yeah. there's paints on the floor and millions of th- scrunched up paper, you know, like that's. You it's know, so funny, hey. Suffering I, for your art sort of thing. I often used to think there was something weird about me because I never fit that stereotype in, of the artist where everything was extremely messy and I was, like, throwing paint everywhere and I was having these, like, big bursts of mind-blowing, <laughs> like, creative <laughs> urgency. Um, I was always quite methodical and analytical. There was a lot of problem-solving involved and... Um, I came to realise that that didn't mean I was any less creative. It's just a different way to be creative. I think problem solving is a big part of it. Yeah. And like, you know, it's all interpretation Mm. as well with artistic expression, particularly, um, and being, and being neurodiverse because you're trying to elicit something that you feel in some way or some capacity or something that you understand. And it can be interpreted so many different ways. Mm, Um, mm -hmm. and it's just, it's beautiful, but um, uh, with your specific experience, because you only recently came into your diagnosis, is that right? Yeah, I only realised about 12 months ago now, but everything suddenly made sense. <laughs> <laughs> everything. Yeah, it was good. I finally had that friend that was like, Marisa, this is what's going on. <laughs> and it sort of clicked. It, it just totally clicked, like. Yeah, and it was a bit of a process of, oh, God, what does this mean for me? But, you know, not knowing had been in so many ways worse. Not knowing had meant burnout. It had meant performing things that I don't want to perform but hadn't admitted to myself that I didn't want to perform. Mm. It meant feeling bad about myself, you know, like... I thought I had like some sort of strain of narcissism or something because I always forgot to ask about how other people are going <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, how are you? And I'd just like talk about how I'm going in a very literal way and I'd forget to do the oh, appropriate the talk, right? Yeah, right, I'd forget yeah. to do the appropriate response of like, yes, and how are you going too? <laughs> and, um, you know, 
sometimes people would think that was rude. So I'd go like, oh my gosh, is there like something wrong with my personality? Like, why do I forget to ask about other people all the time? Am I, am just... I irrevocably <laughs> flawed or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like just things like that. Um, and now I just realize it's literally autistic communication and there's just, I just assume that people will tell me how they're going if they want to tell me how they're going, you know? It's funny, actually, because when we catch up, I don't even know if I'm really like, hey, how are you? We're just like, blah, 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 blah. We just like straight yeah. off the bat just talk. Totally. Um, no I like people talk. who talk a lot, too, because it kind of gives me a chance to relax conversationally. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. We should hang out more. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a typical uh, radio announcer life. It's hard to get me to shut up. Sometimes. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, I do. So when you came into your diagnosis with autism, did you have any realizations personally about how that correlates to being non-binary? Yes, I actually had this period, like straight after realizing where all these memories from primary school and childhood were coming forward. So. I was a really, I was a really tomboyish kid and I didn't think or feel like any of the other little girls thought or felt and I preferred having male friends because you could just like play footy and do active stuff with them and I didn't have to work out this whole complex social thing that the primary school age girls were doing. Um, so there was a lot of that and... I do think that at that time, like, nobody was picking up on me being gender diverse or neurodiverse, but both of them were in there. Like, um, the social difficulties were also informing how I expressed my gender, so they were really intertwined. I remember even thinking... Um, I I remember even thinking at, like, seven years old, I had these kind of misogynistic thoughts that you know, being emotional and caring so much about all these kinds of social things meant that you were, like, feminine and somehow pathetic and that I was not like that and I didn't relate to it at all. And it was, like, quite a big realisation when I was like, oh, my goodness, like, part of my gender expression also has this element to it. And as I was doing lots of, like, therapy as an older person and getting much more into my, like, emotional landscape again, um, finding a lot of that emotional literacy, I, you know, I managed to dismantle a lot of those thoughts and I still identify as non-binary even though I dismantled a lot of them, like, but just for lots of different reasons now. Yeah, right. It was never only one reason that I identified that way anyway, but, yeah, there was, like, a lot in that experience. Hmm. That's really interesting. I'm, I guess, like, um, it's it's also intertwined, really. Because, like, I very much was, as an ADHD diagnosis, I very much related to boys mm. and wanted to spend time around boys. But that's because most of what the girls, in quotations, were doing disinterest me. But now that I'm older, nothing of any, gen, you know, gendered thing disinterests me. All things actually interest yeah. me, really. It's just that how those roles were constructed really confused my mind. And I and with our pattern recognition brain, you know, this pattern recognition that neurodivergent people have, you know, we we see like why are these these boundaries and barriers? Yes. You know, I think we get really frustrated by them. That's why and also 
I find that autistic people and neurodiverse people really struggle to be put in a box more mm-hmm. than most. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's like, no, I must be the gender. I, I must express and feel and embody it in, t- in its entirety or I don't exist at all. Because mm. it's, it just, it's so at ends with our way of perceiving the world and being and existing in the world. Definitely. I think that as an autistic person, Judith Butler's concept of gender performativity just like made sense completely. Mm. It wasn't even, it wasn't something that I struggled with as well at all. It was like, oh yeah, of course, like to yeah, some duh. extent gender's mm. performed <laughs> it is, because it is I performed. have to perform as being a human being, including the gendered aspects of being a human being all the time. Yeah. It was like, you know, getting out, putting on high heels or a skirt or any of that. I mean, it's performative. Mm. It was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, this is the role that I've been you know, given or whatever, mm. therefore, this is how it goes. And it's so, and it's too sensory overload. Yeah. You know, maybe there's something to do with sensory that, I don't know, we're all speculating here about what, yeah. what things are. Yeah, well, but. I have read, like, autobiographical things before about people saying, yeah, well, I just really enjoyed wearing comfortable baggy clothes because of, you know, my sensory issues, but then also it was a gender thing too. Like, I didn't want to dress really feminine tight clothes at that time, so... It was both. Yeah. And now we get to be, you know, now we're adults, we can do what we like. But. Yeah. <laughs> Amplifying the voices of the trans and gender non-conforming community of Mianjin, Brisbane and beyond. Transmission on 4ZZZ brings you the latest in trans community news, music and events. Every Tuesday from 9am till 10am. Join our team of hosts for an hour of celebrating the unique perspectives of the trans community. Transmission, Tuesday mornings from 9am till 10am on 4ZZZ. You're listening to 4ZZZ. This is Transmission. My name is Ez. I use he, him pronouns. My name's Marisa. I use they, them pronouns. And Marisa and I are chatting about being trans and autistic or neurodiverse. Um, So we're having a conversation but Marisa actually has used a term earlier off air called was it neuro neuroqueer neuroqueer. Yeah, it's a term I recently found actually um, by somebody called Nick Walker who writes a lot about it, and I just thought it perfectly captures this mixture of being neurodiverse and gender diverse or sexually diverse. Um, so yeah, I found like a cool description of it. If you want to hear, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so it could, it can be a verb. So you can be like using neuroqueering practice. You can be practicing neuroqueerness. It's kind of like a doing thing as well as an identity marker. Like, yeah, I'm like, I'm queer and neurodiverse. So you could say I'm neuroqueer. I got to go hang out with my friend. We're doing some neuroqueering later. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Nick Walker, she says that being... Um, it's being both neurodivergent and queer, and you have some degree of conscious awareness or active exploration around how these inform your life and experience and potentially how they're inseparable, if that's how you think about them. Um, She also says it's about embodying and expressing one's neurodivergence in ways that also queer one's performance of gender, sexuality, ethnicity, or other aspects of your identity which I can definitely relate to. I feel like the way I embody myself as both a neurodiverse and a gender-diverse person, um, the way I embody myself as a neurodiverse person makes me more gender-diverse, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, like, the more that we... Like, the more acceptance of your identity and, the and like, the fluidity in the of it as well, you know, like, yeah. like you know, it's nothing's ever really feels fixed 
or at least that's my experience of it is that you know things are yeah. sort of moving and changing and I'm queering I'm neuroqueering yeah <laughs> definitely and you know someone who was like assigned female at birth it's like I was always taught to be smiling and super like facially expressive and stuff and that's not something that comes naturally to me so um, <laughs> this is just my you know, face this is just, yeah <laughs> I have just resting like blank face <laughs> 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 when I'm masking a lot, I actually feel my face muscles getting tired. <laughs> yeah, you're like, ah, oh, I have to smile more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially for like AFAB uh, trans folks who are presenting very feminine as well, the pressure to feel like you got to be smiling all the time and like mm-hmm. you know look, look nice for men. They're looking at you, you know, like this whole that whole crap. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so yeah, like undoing that is both an expression of unmasking yourself in a neurodivergent way, but then also kind of unmasking yourself in a gendered way too. Yeah, it's like a double whammy. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. So Nick Walker also says it's neuroqueering yourself can be engaging in practices intended to undo and subvert one's own cultural conditioning, one's ingrained habits of neuronormative and heteronormative performance with the aim of reclaiming one's capacity to give more full expression to one's uniquely weird potentials and inclinations. Yeah, Which I love. I'll take that. Yes, please. I immediately <laughs> think about, like, visually stimming and stuff <laughs> when, <laughs> when she talks about this. It makes me want to, like, I don't know, um, do, like, a little wiggle, you know? Mm-hmm. That's my stim, a little wiggle. Yeah. Yep. When I tutor at uni, <laughs> I've started visually stimming, and it feels good. It feels like... For, I'm being myself. I'm being relaxed. I'm not forcing myself into certain postures and I'm yeah. not worrying about what people think a normal way to even sit in a room is or a normal way to teach is. Yeah, like um, Kai, who also uh, co-hosts a transmission, co-producer of transmission with me, light is particularly sensitive. So, you mm. know, being able to, like, be in your own house and being in your own room and stuff, you can, like turn the lights off and like have like a small lamp on or like if there's a fader or a dimmer you can you know like also being able to relax in like with light and environment that makes you feel the most relaxed Mm. because you know most office spaces or like building spaces are all these white lights like particularly in shopping centers and stuff oh i can't stand that light it may it really exhausts me i literally think shopping centers are hell oh they are hell they're absolute hell <laughs> the worst place in the world um they're my just first job was to capitalism anyway yeah oh, we, we should do another show on shopping centers yeah <clears throat> and why we don't like them mm-hmm. <laughs> why they're so overstimulating and confusing i mean there's a whole heap of science behind why they're intended that way but we won't yeah. go we won't go into that today <laughs> I found a video the other day that I really wanted to send to Ag on Liminal Space of an 80s abandoned shopping centre soundtrack. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I feel like we should totally give that to Ag. Ag. Uh, You should totally listen to Liminal Space, by the way. Liminal Space is like, uh, I mean, Ag, first of all, is just the sweetest pee. Um, And then, yeah. Oh, Kai's messaged in. I'm assuming it says autigender is a term that is used by some autistic people to acknowledge that the experience of gender or sexuality is filtered through and coloured by their autistic neurotype in ways that simply cannot be separated from one another. Yes, I recently learnt that term too. It's fabulous. Autigender is also a thing. There we go. There we go. Neuroqueer, autigender, this is, this is the life of people on transmission <laughs> and a lot of folk here at, at 4 Z as well we're very we try very hard to be an inclusive 
uh, space and an accessible space for people with who are neurodiverse. Um, mm. You know, we've got like a the building. If you've never been inside, it's actually quite it's very stimming, but it's also yeah. like not too much in your face. Well, it's pretty low lit. But yes, it has a lot of posters everywhere. It's got a lot of character. Yeah, a lot of colour. And there's like three levels. Anyway, you know, there's a whole heap. There's lots of ventilation. We've got lots of plants going on upstairs. Places to hide. Lots of little hide. Yeah, there's lots of little hidey holes, actually. Don't give too many people ideas. They'll come and hide out in here. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're actually come to the end of transmission. We're running out of time. Thank you so much, Marissa, for coming in and talking about... Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Transmission, you know, all about amplifying the trans and gender non-conforming voices of the engine and beyond. And we're on every Tuesday live, 9 a.m. till 10 a.m. We're also on demand. You can listen back up to five episodes on demand uh, for Um You can go over the programs there and you can find us, Transmission with a Z. We also have social media, Trans Radio with a Z. We're both on, on Facebook, on the gram, we're on those things. And today, if you've missed out on the whole conversation, we do put a podcast up. Um, the podcast also goes up on, yeah, on demand too, so you can listen back. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you all uh, next week. So, yeah. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Transmission. See you next Tuesday, 9 to 10 a.m. on 4 Z. Thank you.